0: Are tackling some of the world's biggest social challenges so that you can learn from those who have been there before, helping you in your decision making and action taking. Hello and welcome to our 2024 Social Impact Pioneers podcast series. And to start off our year as we mean to go on, I am delighted to welcome a very special social impact pioneer, Jeff Bakes. Jeff is an award winning. International Total Rewards Director. He is currently the head of Total Rewards at IKEA. Jeff has over 30 years of practical reward expertise. We're going to deep dive into what rewards mean. And he is recognized as one of the truly inspirational global thought leaders in reward. He is known for challenging conventional thinking in consistently delivering exceptional solutions. So get ready as he will be sharing some of these solutions with us today. Jeff's career spans time leading rewards at Channel 4 Television in the UK, working on rewards, compensation and benefits with the likes of PwC, Mondelez, Network Rail, amongst many others. Today, we are going to deep dive into living wages and why spending money on your people really does pay, as well as looking at the benefits of diverse and inclusive workforces. If business can do anything positive, it is employing people well. And this is what Jeff is all about. So, Jeff, I'm delighted to have you and welcome you today. Oh, thanks, Katie. I'm delighted to
1: be here and hopefully I can provide some insights and thoughts for the listeners.
0: Jeff, you absolutely can. And I'm going to therefore dive straight in there. What does living wages mean to you? Can we just sort of set the scene? Why is it important and and where did it sort of come from?
1: Yeah, living wages to me is about providing income which is enables employees to, to achieve and uh, sustain a decent standard of living. And that's a simple concept, but equally, when you look at that, then that has to be sort of taken into a what does that actually mean in reality? And obviously, in a UK context and other governments, people set national minimum wages. In the UK, they have what we have is the Living Wage Foundation, which takes a different view, which is the view I just sort of outlined, which is about fair and reasonable wages, enabling people to, you know, live and achieve decent living standards. And also I'm conscious that living wages does enable people to make choices for themselves, for their families and their dependents. And I think that's a critical part of living wage. It's not just about what is the level of pay you provide. Pay opens doors to opportunities and delivers for families and societies and communities. So for me, living wage is about first based, sustainable, real living wage, which enables people to, to achieve a, a certain standard of living.
0: And I happen to know you've dedicated, I mean, hours, days, weeks, months, years of your career looking at this and championing living wages and potentially living incomes, therefore, as well. How did you come to be on this journey, where's it sort of come from? Tell us a bit about yourself, Jeff.
1: Yeah, I, I've got a I've realized the other day that I've I've now achieved that four decades, forty years plus now in HR. Uh when I joined it was personnel, then it became HR. Right. And so I bring that sort of drive and enthusiasm about the people agenda. And I suppose where that, that comes from, I originally come from the west of England. Bristol was my, my hometown. maybe I was brought up luckily by in an era whereby there was opportunity, opportunity to go, to go to university. I was first in my family to go to university, almost the first in the school ever to go to university. So that was quite a, quite a sort of shock because uh, you're going on a journey which is unknown. And I learned from that going to university and then going out into the, uh, the wider world of work. And I initially went straight into HR. I had a passion around employee relations, about society and change. And for me, HR provides that career opportunity to make changes and, and change people's lives for the better. And I, and I suppose it's a combination of where I come from, your roots, as we all have different roots. But also that, that passion has never been undaunted and it's been burning brightly, if not even more, more as one gets older to actually implement change. So for me, that's where I get my enthusiasm for this topic because I think that in the people space, HR folks particularly have the opportunity to change agendas, to focus businesses on people and not always about the bottom right-hand side of a page in terms of hard, hard numbers. Organizations are made of people. We are all individuals. We have different drivers, different expectations. And for me, living wage, fair wages is a cornerstone of cementing that relationship between employers and employees for the betterment of both in terms of the organization and employees. And then directly upon employees, families, and uh, and all the services that they then bring in provide. So I come from that sort of philosophy of, of social responsibility. And in my role, I've managed to impact that directly in the organizations I've worked upon. So I hope that gives you a flavor of, of, of my drivers and, and uh, belief in this uh, subject.
0: Oh my god, it does! And and what an advocate, actually. You know, forty years in HR or, or whatever, <laughs> language has changed, but to still be that kind of passionate and see the the power of of that change as well. Um, Jeff, I wanted to have a think about that kind of the living wages piece in particular. Clearly, it's been there's been a bit of a journey about you know fair pay and paying people properly and and what that means. But I wonder whether, given your experience, what does that mean in practice? What does paying a living wage mean in practice, both for people and, and you talked a bit about choices, but also for a business? What are the benefits you're seeing?
1: Well, the benefits are primarily around the, the engagement between individuals and organizations. Because if you're paying, paying fair and reasonable wages, therefore you you are naturally not what I call completely driven by the bottom right hand side of the page. Because I've seen over a long period of time some organisations are driven by the profit margins and financials. Yes, that's because of shareholders, yes, because of of economies is such. And we ultimately live in a Western sort of quote capitalist society. But on the other hand, what fair and reasonable wages do deliver is an engagement between firstly, it's the attraction piece. If you can demonstrate positively that you are a fair and reasonable employer in terms of pay. Therefore, you you start to gain what I call credibility. You then getting a reputation as a good employer, right? You are prepared therefore to be flexible in your normally your working arrangements. You're keen to provide fair pay, and that in an attraction piece is extremely important, but also from a retention piece, because it's always the hardest part of most employment is to actually find great candidates. Once you've got great folks and great talent. You don't want to lose them. You need to pay fair reasonable wages. And you want to create an environment where people can thrive and develop. And therefore, there is a cost to the business here because, you know, a lot of businesses are driven by, quote, whatever they can I use the blunt term, whatever they can get away with, right? Because they're going to cut costs to the minimum. And in in I've seen organizations whereby it's all about what's the what's the minimum amount we can pay to get employees to work for us? Well, we've seen legislation change that. Philosophy over over time. But I think the living wage, in terms of creating a rate whereby people can develop livelihoods, their families, and so forth in a sustainable way, does put an extra cost on the business. But on the other hand, the business, most businesses, when they look at the figures, will realize you know what, our retention is great, our staff turnover goes down, we become an attraction for employees because. It's like most things these days particularly in the last few years we've seen society change and but you know people are wanting to buy products which they want to engage with and if your company is in that space that chimes into where people are thinking you know what what's important in this world therefore they will make judgments on where do I want to go to work for that organization or what I want to go or i don't want to work for that organization depending on their stance on certain issues so there are huge benefits for employers you know there is huge upside the upside is great people flexible workforce people are engaged and you can retain and you can recruit right the downside is it costs and that's the problem you've got to be able to balance your cost with your aspirations of an organization it's not an easy place to go but but it is the reality that you know if you want to live by these principles then it does does cost you a little bit more but on the other hand it's the right place to be
0: and, and I want to just lean into that cost piece a little bit more because from you and I have had a couple of conversations prior to this recording and we talked a bit about some of the challenges of actually kind of the practicality of implementation as well. I, I don't suppose you'd sort of lean into that a bit. What what are the challenges that you've been facing in order to to get living wages actually embedded into and a practical part of business?
1: Yeah, I mean, the challenges are it's all around the financials of an organisation. And when you look at the financials, you yeah. You know, any organisation is worth its thought. is looking at the, you know, what is inflation, what is wage inflation looking like. And sometimes you have to predict these figures, you know, nine months ahead, ahead in terms of budgetary forecast, right? And so when you look at things, not just in UK and Ireland, but across across Western Europe and beyond, right? You know, everyone's at different levels of inflation, right? Inflation is always the the, the real handbrake on on, on economic growth because they uh, can only afford what you can afford to pay. But you've got to be, what I call, prepared to make some difficult decisions. And, and I mean that because what we've seen almost, I think, it was starting before we went into the sort of pandemic in, in 2020, and, we, and we've seen the acceleration through the last three three years plus on this. Is The lowest paid folks in society, actually, the contribution is immense. You know, we've seen that over the last three years. Things wouldn't get happened without what is traditionally seen as low-paid employment actually step up to the plate, do a huge amount of things around logistics, around NHS, around caring. And these are these are areas where, boy, traditionally they are relatively lowly paid. So there's been a society movement to what I call recognize that we may need to recalibrate and reframe. A philosophy on pay. It's not always about the financial services elements of of business or or the white collar professional staff elements. It's about society as a whole. So that is a a real challenge, particularly when you're, you're in the sort of what I call in the, in in the boardroom and you're looking the CFO in the face and you're saying, look, okay, if we want to move and increase living wage rates, you know, we may have to increase by up to 10%. And now it's sort of like, wow, whether, you know, because when you start looking at some of the numbers here, it's quite an invest. it is an investment to make. And therefore, sometimes you have to balance, well, if we're going to do this, then we may have to stop doing other things. But I'm fortunate in my career and, and, and particularly recently working in an organization whereby, you know what, you know, that is the right place to be. And it, I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. There's there's, a, there's conversations which go on for a number of years. but The reality is that I call organizations which are thinking ahead are thinking constantly about their customer base, the impact they have on society. We've obviously, you know, climate change, sustainability. And behind all this is that employee relationship. And you've got to get the balance right. And and sometimes the difficult place to be, but it's the right place to be, does cost money. And the reality is that for certain organizations, it's going to, it costs a lot more money than other organizations because of, of the way they're structured. But it is an investment that is worthwhile because the benefit, as I said, in terms of the employees, the motivation, the empathy that that starts to develop and, and the relationships you start building with employees, but also greater society and, and your customer base start you know, starts to differentiate you in in a marketplace where there's a clamor to do certain things. So for me, it is easy to say, but actually difficult to achieve, but you've got to be able to have complete mastery of numbers and financials, because then you talk the language of the of the management board. And in those environments, which can be quite hot hothouse at times, you've got to be able to put those points across in a succinct way, but also prepared to challenge people's perceptions and data provides you with information to actually hold those conversations and keep them in focus
0: and uh jeff is so (laughs) you're so humble you don't say it yourself which is jeff says this because he's done this (laughs) isn't like a a nice academic perspective this is you rolling up your sleeves and and actually taking it through and to the board and, and getting it sorted and therefore i was wondering jeff from your experience therefore you know, how do you go about doing this? You know, what's the latest thing in, in terms of actually how did you overcome these challenges? What did you take into those conversations and those those difficult meetings to try and actually make it a reality?
1: Part of the reality, and it's, it's common for most organisations, sticking in the last three years, we've all faced the, quote, great, great resignation, if that's the right phrase. But the reality is that as an organisation, every time you lose someone, you know, through staff turnover, that's a lost investment because you've initially recruited them, you've costed what that you know, you've costed that person, you've brought them into your organization, you trained them, developed them, and you want them to grow and thrive. And if they don't and they then move on, it is an investment that is lost. And one of the key key things that I realized way back in my career was that if you can cost recruitment, right, work out exactly how much it's going to cost. Not just, I mean, that's time, efforts. The engagement the 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 folks who are involved in the recruitment process and these are quite considerable you could on average in the UK for example it costs, costs you to recruit any individual minimum of at least 10,000 pounds right so once you start thinking around those numbers and you start looking at turnover and some organizations are running at 25 30% turnover so you're actually losing 10,000 per pound per head right and then you ask you have to ask the question well why are we losing these people? And then when you you look at your data, you, know, you run your analysis, you look at data, you try and understand why people are leaving. You know what are we not doing? We're not paying the right wage, or we're not delivering on our promises, or we're not developing people. There's a mixture of issues in there. But when it comes to pay, particularly, it would be madness to um, lose a talented individual, for example, who may have been sort of tempted with a with, a, with an offer from elsewhere. Maybe not they not looked, but with Social media these days, you know, a lot of us, all of us get sort of, uh, we're fully, you know, bombarded with, hey, come and work for us. Uh, you know, we like what you do. We like what you sound. Come come and work for us. And in those conversations, if, if people are sort of leaving for, you know, a relatively small amount of money, right, and it's going to cost you at least £10,000 to replace them. I'm not saying we should give everyone £10,000 pay rise immediately. But on the other hand, there is a cost in there somewhere because this is like, You've got to be able to to understand the data and the figures. You've got to be able to, you know, if we're doing something wrong around pay and we're not paying at the right level, you'll soon see that because you look at your turnover figures, you, you know, you need to monitor that, you know, on an ongoing, absolute regular basis. You need to work in with the recruitment teams because recruitment teams will also be telling you what's happening in the market. You know, a few years ago, even up to the last couple of years, most large organizations relied on pay surveys. Well. Pace servers were always in the rear view mirror. I'm not interested in what's happened like six months or 12 months ago in terms of pace elements. I'm trying to work out, well, what's happening over the next 12 months in the future? You know, where's the economy going? What, need, what do we need to focus on? What are the skills that we're going to need? And therefore, you've got to be able to to understand information. You've got, But information just gives you the sort of starting point you then got to have the skills of almost like a diplomat in a way, because sometimes you've got to challenge convention in your own organization, which can be a difficult place to be. But on the other hand, you can do it with respect. You can do it with, well, well well-intentioned thoughts. And and sometimes these things can be slow burners. But in my experience, the vast majority of organizations I've worked in and the people I've worked with, they're open for those conversations. May not be open immediately for change, but on the other hand, those conversations do lead to opportunities and they do, do, do move to potential changes. So I think do this and rightly say it just doesn't happen like that. You've got to have you've got to have a drive, you've got to have tenacity, you've got to have the ability to look at the longer, longer picture, and also believe in what you do because you know it is the right place to be for me personally and professionally. Therefore, where I see it, I, I, I challenge. If I can change it, I will change it. But I think you know you've got. Sometimes there will be people in organisations which maybe that's not a comfortable spot to be. But on the other hand, if you hold true to your own personal personal values, you know, and you know, one voice, as we see, can can make a huge difference. And you're never alone in this because there will be other advocates around, other other folks who are thinking the same. And and I think you know that. Collectively, you know, voices can come together to, to initiate and promote and, you know, develop, develop change. So for me, you know, I always work on the view of, well, the, the answer is yes. What's the problem? You know, because, because uh, I think you've got to have a, an upside. You've got to have a positive approach. But the bottom line here is that it's easy to say these things, but it's often difficult to deliver because words are easy. Actions are the key. And I, and I think I've been fortunate in my career. To transfer the words, as they call it, and then commit the actions and get things implemented. And, and when you implement these changes, you know, you, there's, a, there's a satisfaction that, you know what, you've made it, I call it you make a difference. You know, you've not just been technically doing your role, but you've made a difference to the organization. And as I said earlier, you know, every one of your organization's employees touches another person or another family or, or whatever. So therefore, collectively you can you can make a huge amount of difference to to society and people's thinking than just by thinking, well, I'm just doing a, a technical job and you know, who cares what happens. no, I think you know, for me it's always been, you know, personal responsibility to try and generally make an improvement for everyone in an organization and challenge challenge things where you where you, you see things which are not right and need to be tackled because you know, it's it's like if you walk down the road and someone falls over, I'm tend to be one of those folks who's going to go straight there and help rather than go to the other side of the road. And I think instinctively that's where I prefer to work, and that's where I've always worked in those organisations whereby, you know, if you see something it needs to be changed, you challenge it and and you try and make a difference.
0: Well, I certainly, for one, I'm going I'm st- <laughs> standing here with my hand up saying, please can I come work for you, Jeff? <laughs> um, but interesting like that. That piece where you were talking about transitioning from looking backwards and thinking, okay, what have we done so far, and therefore, what do we, what's the next step? But to being okay, forward-looking. How do we predict what's going to happen? How do we get our business ready to to be able to respond to that and make sure that we are supporting the people that we are we need, we, who are our lifeblood. I was going to ask you about what your, your advice is to somebody listening, but you just just unravel like you know, t- unleashed a huge amount of advice for us and therefore I was going to be really cheeky and slightly switch this question I'd love your advice as well but also in that looking forward what are your predictions if you're sort of projecting ahead now and thinking ahead now what are you what are the top kind of two or three things that you're thinking about now that you think okay this is gonna we need to start thinking about this in order to make sure our people and our business are kind of on track going forward
1: yeah I think there's a whole host of you know we're obviously we've been tackling you know. Fair wage and reasonable wage practice, and, and that and that that will always always keep a sharp focus. But I also believe that we've only started to touch the surface on equality and diversity in the in, in the workplace. And I know that that can get complicated. But on the other hand, we are as a society, you know, we are evolving and changing. We have multi generations of people in, in in employment. We have different ways and references of how we communicate, whether it's now through X. Facebook always feels like some old world process. Emails even feel very much like old world, right? But we're engaging with technology. You know, we've got the challenge of AI coming down the track. And I embrace AI. Because, I mean, I've, I've been using it for, you know, teaching in a way, writing policies and procedures, but just testing out, you know, my experience and what I would put in a policy against what AI is telling me. We've got immense challenges and all this revolves around the individual, you know, in terms of what will the work of the future look like? Because, you know, we we see predictions that that a significant amount of the roles that we currently have in organizations at the moment will change in the next 10, 20 years, right? And and I can remember that myself when I first entered the the workplace. There was no such thing as email. There were things like typing pools, right? if you want anything correspondence, you had to write it out in longhand and submit it to a typing pool to get it typed up. I mean, that feels like Dickensian age, but technology has changed, but, and society is changing at an ever increasing rate. And, and I think the challenge for me is around, we've got to recognize diversity in the workforce. We've got to recognize that both from a demographic point of view, but also from an ethnic point of view, sexual orientation point of view, disability point of view. You know, we, it's easy to sort of try organizations to tick boxes, but I think you've really got to understand, well, what is the makeup of our workforce? What are we trying to achieve? You know, what, what bringing folks together? And people, you know, are more what I call open than ever. And, and, and I think, you know, and we need to encourage that in, with, with no fear. Uh, in, in, in a workforce in, in environment, no judgment. I think the, the reality is that organizations have, start, have shifted quite considerably from the, the days of, I call clone management. If, if I remember my early days in professional services, the, you know, I, we walk into office and everyone was dressed the same, you know, charcoal, gray suit, white shirts, red ties. And you're thinking, are these folks you really want to get, you know, do business with? Probably not. but I think the challenge for organizations, as I said, going forward is pay is a, is a great foundation, but it's not the end of the journey. It's only the beginning. The journey is, is that diversity, equality, be inclusive, and also dealing, as I said, with the challenge of technology and what's coming down the, track, down the tracks, because no one has a clear view. Things are evolving. All we know is more rapidly than anyone thought. And I think therefore you need to create flexibility Within, within employment, but also at the same time, you've got to deal with some of the uncertainties of employment because people are thinking, well, what, what about me? Does my role d- disappear or, or or is this impacted in the future? And I think you've got to, I think it's about looking at those. I always see a challenge as, um, as a starting point for a new journey. Um, therefore, it's, it's, I'm, I'm a glass half half full rather than half empty person. I'm probably never a glass yeah, <laughs> empty for me. There is so much opportunity to evolve both professionally and personally in organisations, and I, and I think the organisations that that can that are grasping that already are the ones that are going to thrive and develop and move forward into the future. So for me, the future is the um, is a great opportunity to to play into that space. And, and genuinely, uh, it's it's my my favourite phrase. It, it is about to me making a difference if i if i made a difference and i know i've made a difference in my career um, i seem to have um developed uh, when i think about it hundreds of folks who, who, who tackle things in a slightly different way and you see their careers thrive in different organizations different places and, and you have this incredible network of colleagues and, and folks that you used to work for you or developed and um and that is an investment but on the other hand, I think it's investment that brings back returns because you then get you get this wonderful exchange of ideas, you get this sort of discussions, and you get this sort of opportunity to to take things forward. So, yeah, for me, there isn't sort of a chapter closing here; the, it's, the book keeps keeps being rewritten, you know, and, and constantly is rewritten. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the to the next challenges.
0: Oh, Jeff, and it is such a privilege to get to spend time and and listen to your experiences and expertise here because you just got you use that positivity that makes me for one anybody feel as like right I'm ready I can go, I can do it I'm gonna have a go um, you know that sort of change feels so frightening and yet that sort of you know if you're ready ready to, for that uncertainty and, and keep going and therefore I wanted to close out this conversation although really I want to keep it going for the rest of the day because <laughs> I need it I need it Jeff which is you know what is next for you personally where do you see your work going and and, and what's next for jeff Bates.
1: yeah i, I suppose that i have reached a sort of point in my career whereby you know by, by normal standards you say well jeff do you want to sort of like t- i call it tone it down a bit you know you're sort of re- you know you're reaching that sort of like i call it wise wise old hour anyone knows me it it's definitely would not recognize me as that because um i am so i think in the moment and that's really because i, I suppose you know with family i've sort of you know family, particularly three kids who are sort of uh, generations, uh, X, Y and quotes, the American term, Z. So, you know, they keep you fresh because you then become relevant. If you can't become relevant with your own children, then you've got no chance of being relevant with any other individual, right? But So it it forces you to sort of um, continually sort of reposition yourself. And at the moment, it's like I have this sort of um, unquenched um, appetite for I suppose I've reached a stage where it's where I see it, I call it, if you know what I mean, in, in a diplomatic way. You realize that a lot of people waste a huge amount of energy circling around things and not addressing the real issue in the room. And sometimes it's difficult to have the bravery to do that, but sometimes you've got to be able to do it in a diplomatic way. So for me, it's about empowering the folks I work with. I call it a legacy, leaving, I suppose I'm not more concerned now about leaving a legacy in, within the work environment because it's about the, I call, Giving people the skill sets to think in a slightly different way, but also to challenge, continually challenge uh, convention, the status quo, and 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 believing in what is the right, you know, hold true to to values and and choose that path. So I get a buzz continually out of doing that. So we've not reached the sort of the the end end here. I think it just naturally involved from you know at the moment you know working in a larger organisation, pretty equally at the same time networking across the globe with various sort of bodies and, and, and so forth and I think that will long continue because I think it's driven by you've got to have the passion you know and uh, I keep saying to my better half I said there, there will be a moment when I probably uh, you know who knows you wake up morning thinking you know what I'm, I'm going I'm to take a st- step back but fortunately or unfortunately for everyone I haven't got to that point yet because um you believe you, you know, you, from what you do and how you do it, you're, you know, very, very, relevant. And obviously a lot of folks come in my direction, you know, they're asking for a conversation, just talking things through. And, and I see that as my gift for free because that's a lifetime of experience. And what I say to folks is, look, I give you a view. I'm never great. Therefore I give you a view and I give you an opinion. I give you it straight and I give it frank and candid. Now what you do with that is entirely your discretion. What I'm trying to do is avoid the tripwires that I may have done in my career, but also trying to leave a legacy of good intention and encourage people who want to challenge things and make a real difference to continue that path and make a real difference. So for me, that's that's what I'm attempting to do is is to create not just great legacies in the organizations I've worked, but also legacy for the greater professional world that that, that i operate in. in. That's what drives me, continues to drive me on a daily basis.
0: Amazing. I'm really sad to pull this conversation to an end. But Jeff, I want to wish you all the very best in your continuation to address that challenge or those challenges in the room. But also, thank you so much for sharing that experience with us, because I, for one, am definitely, I needed that. <laughs> Jeff, thank you so much uh, for sharing with us today. Thank you.
1: That's fine, Katie. And I, and I hope the listeners, to you know, take it away. Think about it. Reflect. And then, you know what? Take action. Because without action, nothing happens.
0: And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us. I would also love to hear your feedback. So please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty.